They're confused, they're stressed, they're excited, and they're left alone, and they have to do something with that energy. Maybe I get up in the morning a little extra early, take the dog out, and maybe it's a shorter walk, or maybe it's just a pee in the backyard. Maybe I squeeze in a meditation and put the dog on place. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Honest to Dog Podcast. It's me, Liz Foley, your favorite dog trainer. And Jeff Gadway, your co-host extraordinary. What's up? Hey, Liz. It's almost September. I guess by the time this is out, it will be mm-hmm. September. Mm-hmm. Scary, right? It is scary. It's been a busy back half of the summer. Mm-hmm. I mean, we adopted a new dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. We took a week of vacation mm-hmm. with the fam. Mm-hmm. So sorry we haven't been in your ears in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. But we're back. I know. August just flew by. It really did. It was your birthday. I know. And that's always when, like when my birthday hits, I'm always just like, oh, the end of the summer is near. And it's always kind of like a little bit doom and gloom. <laughs> <laughs> and yet there's a lot to celebrate because the leaves are changing. You've been leaf peeping. Yes. We do love fall. We it's, do love it's fall. It's so bittersweet for me because I'm like, ooh, I love sweater weather and pumpkin spice lattes. Yes, I am basic. I am that girl. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, oh my gosh, winter is coming. <laughs> we don't talk about winter in this house. Yes. If anyone has ideas for how to escape winter. Yes. If you... Hello at honestadog.ca. Yeah. If you want to have us move in with you, <laughs> California, maybe, you know, just hit us up. <laughs> I want to move there. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. We're putting it in the universe. Okay. But with the season starting to change and perhaps more appropriately people going back to their normal routines mm-hmm. we figured it would be good to talk about kind of back to school uh and yep. and the implications for your dog um it's kind of a nuanced or layered topic because you know there's like literally back to school mm-hmm. and then like kind of back to training but i think more appropriately it's kind of back to the day-to-day routine yeah. that families and dog owners maybe stray from a little bit in the summertime. Mm -hmm. And so what I'd love to talk to you about, Liz, is what you generally see dog owners maybe struggle with around this time of year and talk about some of the strategies that, that dog owners and families should be thinking about to make this transition back into kind of normal routine, normalcy, successful. Mm -hmm. So I don't know about you, but I always think of September as the real start of the year just because of school. And so like I get anxiety with that. And like, even though we don't like go completely off for summer, we don't even have kids. It does just feel like way more relaxed. And I don't know, you take more advantage of being outside and daylight. (laughs) And so it does kind of get us back into the daily grind of just like working but everybody is going through change and like fall especially seems like such a pivotal time of change we're going from summer vacation to back to the day-to-day of everyday life and so especially if people do have kids that back to school change affects our dogs really any major lifestyle change affects our dogs and i prepare clients for this and i coach them through it because change is inevitable. It's going to happen. 
And this is something we can predict each year that's going to happen with our dogs. Okay, schedule's going to change. Routine's going to change. Time at home, maybe even with our dogs, is going to change. Whose home's going to change? There's so many factors at play. And so if we don't prepare our dogs for that, like you might start to see some behaviors come up. Well, let me ask you this then, because it feels like there's two opposing forces here around back to school. Okay. As you just said, there's a lot of change and we know that dogs struggle with change. We all struggle with change, let's yeah. be honest. But dogs in particular, when there's a change to their routine or their environment, that's when challenging behaviors can sometimes appear or reemerge. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, it seems as though with the fall and kind of back to school season, we go back to more routines and more structure. Yep. And we know that dogs thrive with structure and uh, thrive with routine. Mm -hmm. And so how do you kind of evaluate those two opposing forces? Is it a net positive or a net negative in terms of dog training? I think a lot of people don't count the dog in with those changes. So yes, there's definitely more structure for the family in general. We're like, okay, kids are at school from morning till afternoon and then probably after school programming or sports or whatever. And so sometimes the dog just gets kind of left out, especially like in the first week or so where it's like you're so not in the routine of the new routine. So like getting kids to school is probably going to be a little bit more rushed and maybe you skip the dog walk in the morning. Mm. See what I mean? That our our focus is on usually the going back to school, like getting them prepped and ready and making sure we're leaving on time and nobody forgot their homework and all of these things. I can only imagine how stressful it was. I'm getting stressed thinking about it. Like I always have anxiety this time of year because I'm like, huh, I, something is due. Like, <laughs> I'm like, do I have an exam? Like I'm, I've been out of school for so long, yet still it's triggering. And so, you know, it's easy for the dog to kind of get left behind with those changes, especially too, it's gotta be tiring that first week. Yeah, So much change is exhausting. And so at the end of the day, maybe we also kind of forget about the dog to do a walk or training or anything like that. And so maybe the dog is actually experiencing more freedom than structure because the humans themselves are so structured. Right, we might just be like, oh, he'll be fine. Just let him out in the backyard three times a day. He'll he'll run around, and we know that that's not exercise for a dog. That's not adequate for fulfillment. So, what are some of those things that might present themselves? You kind of referred to it as the dog getting left behind. So, because of the rush, walks might get cut short or might get missed. Mm-hmm. I would imagine with more people out of the house and not on summer vacation, there could be the potential for some more appearance of separation anxiety, Mm -hmm. right? What are some other things that might result from this change in routine and lifestyle? So stress, like you said, with like separation anxiety, where are my people, what's happening? Especially if people got a puppy during the summer, this is going to be a bit of a wake-up call if they have not been already working on healthy separation and allowing their dog to self-soothe. This is going to be a shock to the dog system where like everybody's gone during the day. No kids are home. Everybody's at work. Um, but another one I see often is boredom. And so these dogs develop habits that aren't 
ideal and great. And so they might counter surf. They might dig a hole in the backyard. They might uh, chew something in the house. It, it really is a matter of if they're not getting what they need, they're going to find an outlet for themselves. It could be barking incessantly, mm-hmm. right? When nobody's home, howling. Something else that comes to mind for me as a result of just the rush, right? You know, you think of back to school and maybe it's just the way it's portrayed through movies and TV, but like everything's rushed, right? Mm-hmm. People are rushed getting ready in the morning, rushed to get food in their bellies, rushed to get, you know, to the bus or to the office or whatever it is. And so even if things like the walk are happening, I wonder to what extent we're rushing certain things like thresholds or Mm -hmm. relevancy or stairways or other things. So we're more going through the motions versus focused on high quality. That's such a good point. Even if you are doing the things, you're probably accepting good enough in a lot of ways. So it can be really easy to slack. And then you kind of will be like, wow, three weeks later, why is he pulling on the walk again? Like what is happening? And we need to be able to hold ourselves accountable and like rewind and just be like, was I taking shortcuts? Was I actually present with my dog when doing these things? Did I hold that standard and expectation that I should be? Because if we're not, like it's it's so easy and we forget that, I think, especially with dogs, but we know for ourselves, if we get really lax with our habits, It's so easy to drop the good habits and pick up the bad, especially when there's stress involved. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of think of our dogs as especially like if they've been trained and we're like, you're amazing. We kind of forget that it's possible for them too to lose good habits and develop bad habits. And so be mindful of that and be, be patient and caring, right? They don't develop habits out of nowhere, it's usually, it's trickled down from us. What are we doing with the dog to to teach them what to do versus what not to do? We talked a little bit about some of the things that might happen in the morning as a result of the rush and things getting cut short. I would imagine that that bleeds over into the evenings as well, like after a long day. Mm-hmm. And or, you know, with a lot of families, there are extracurricular commitments. You know, fall is also when sports start Mm -hmm. to ramp back up or dance or, Mm -hmm. you know, other types of activities, which again could cut into time that in the summer you would have spent with your dog or walking your dog or investing in that relationship. So I wonder what can families do? Right. Because I think it's easy to say, oh, well, you know, you just need to make it a priority. Mm, right. Yeah, no. And and mm-hmm. I think we we want to be more tuned into, mm-hmm. well, there's only so many hours in the day. Are there strategies that you recommend to your training clients, Liz, for how to get the most amount of value out of the time that you do have? Mm-hmm so that you're able to continue to upkeep those good habits and not have the bad habits take over. Yeah, I think the second you notice you're rushing or or training is slipping in some ways, go back to the basics. Forget the walk, just focus on warm-ups, right? And just really making sure 
you're doing thresholds. And like, again, that counts as part of your walk. Like if you have an hour, set your watch when you get the leash out and like invest all of that time in doing it properly. So it's not about quantity, like how many steps did you get, the distance that you walked. It's that time that you spent in upholding that um, expectation of what you want from your dogs. Does he check in at thresholds? Is he walking behind me? Are we getting eye contact when I stop on walks? Does he sit right away? Are we like, I want you to double down on, on that experience versus the distance. So that would be one thing I would recommend for sure. It, it's never bad to refresh on the basics, right? And so just if if you think it's going to slip, be ahead of it would be my, my first go-to. But sometimes we catch it later on. And so just go, oh, here it is. Liz warned me about this. I can, I know what to do. Just go back to basics. That's actually a really interesting theme. I'd love to unpack and explore a little bit more, you know, this parallel between back to school and back to basics. Mm -hmm. I wonder what other types of kind of back to basics things families or dog owners could attach to this time of year. So if you're starting these new routines around what time you wake up in the morning, how you get ready in the morning, how you have to do your homework, like are there some other dog training habits you could layer in mm. as part of this sort of fall routine that we're trying to build and hold ourselves accountable to? Yeah, a fantastic thing to do would be place in the morning as kids are getting up and ready. Oh, that's so good. How would that work? Because if if we're not paying attention to our dogs during that moment, and this is a lot of the time we don't pay attention, we don't see it happening, but the dog is following us from room to room as we're getting ready. And there's a bit of chaos and there's excitement and they're like, oh, I'm coming with, this is going to be the best day ever. And then we just close the door on them and leave. And then they were like, I thought we did this whole song and dance, getting ready together. I was a part of the journey and then I get left behind. And so they're confused, they're stressed, they're excited and they're left alone and they have to do something with that energy. And so they're gonna make bad choices. So instead, again, if I can predict it, I can prevent it. So if I have a dog who's a bit leechy, who wants to be a part of everything, then maybe I get up in the morning a little extra early, I take the dog out, and maybe it's a shorter walk or maybe it's just a pee in the af in the backyard. Um, but maybe I squeeze in a meditation and put the dog on place. And I've told the kids ahead of time, we're going to have a really quiet morning in getting ready for school because that's going to set them up for success too with school. Like excitement can really easily turn into anxiety even for kids. And so if we're being more deliberate, slower, intentional, with how we're starting the morning and we're doing it for the dog, it also benefits us. But yeah, have the dog on place. And this would be if you've already practiced place and your dog sure. knows that, like this is not the time to start training it in the morning when there's chaos happening. So if your dog is already able to do place at dinner time, why couldn't they do it in the morning? And I love starting a morning with place practice because a lot of the time we feel this urgency to go and take the dog out and rush, 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 and the dog has to be tired in order to do place. I want to know that if my dog has a full tank of gas, they can still be on place and relax. 
because life happens, right? And so I'm also not a morning person, really. And so- You don't say. <laughs> shocker, I know. I'm like a mid-afternoon person. Like lunchtime <laughs> is my jam. And so anyway, I want to have- downtime to get ready before I go for the walk. Maybe I have a coffee and the dogs are chilling on place or they can chill on place while I brush my hair and get everything ready to go out the door. So I'm, I, I always call it like bookmarking or not bookmarking, bookending. Oh, there we go. Found it. I had to do my hands. I was like, Jeff, help me out here. <laughs> um, and then I realized people can't see me when I'm in their ears. Any whoosie. Bookending things with structure helps our dogs to start with calmness and end with calmness. And so place is a great way to structure our dog's day. And so place, and then maybe you even take the dog in the car, dropping the kids off at school, and from there do a walk with the dog. And maybe it's not in your neighborhood. Maybe because you have the dog in the car, you're like, let's do a lap around the schoolyard, or let's I've always wanted to check out this cafe at this spot and bring the dog. Do that because now, even if you did a 30-minute walk, it's in a new environment. And if you still uphold structure and make it a structured walk, oh my goodness, your dog is going to be way more tired than if you did probably a 45-minute walk around your block that you always do because that's boring. So if ever I'm in a bind where I'm like, I need to blow a dog's mind quickly and efficiently, how am I going to tire this dog out? I'm usually going to increase structure. And so maybe I'm sitting at every other driveway. I'm going to make you work a little harder. And I'm going to take you somewhere you've never been to blow your mind and socially expose you. So now it's not just a training walk. It's a training walk with socialization because environment includes is included in socialization for dogs. And a lot of the time we forget that. There are so many gems here. I mean, this is incredible because you're talking about how to achieve kind of peak efficiency, mm -hmm. right? As well as how to be really effective in terms of focusing as much or more on the mental stimulation, mental exertion side, which if you're new here, we talk about all the time mm -hmm. as something that's just as impactful or maybe sometimes more impactful than the physical exertion. Mm -hmm. So I think there's there's so much there. And, and I love that you went there because I was already thinking about if you're doing place in the morning, maybe in the evening, thinking about some other ways to kind of mentally exert your dog's energy while including them in time with the family, right? Mm -hmm. So if it's you're, you've got people doing homework around the kitchen table, mm -hmm. could be a great opportunity for some sit on the dog, mm -hmm. right? Having the dog be there in your presence, but just sitting, not letting them you know, also lie down. Also yeah, doing schoolwork. <laughs> yeah, doing schoolwork, right? Um, that was one that kind of came to mind for me. Um, I wonder, Liz, are there any, like I was mentioning before, oftentimes in the fall, you see the pickup of extracurricular activities. Mm -hmm. um, and I know not everyone takes takes place in sporting type stuff that might be held outside where dogs can participate, mm -hmm. but any best practices for how to include your dog in those types of fall activities 
in a really effective and impactful way. Oh my gosh. Like this gets me excited because it's like stacking with, with training and that's like, Oh, talking about mental stimulation for dogs. And I'm just like, talk training to me. Yeah, I know. I'm like <laughs> drooling over here. Um, and so it's like, yeah, sure. If your kid has soccer practice and you go to be a part of that, bring the dog and at a distance, practice your follow the leader figure eights, just do warm ups around excitement because a lot of the time and like use distance to your advantage. Let's be smart here and not be like, on the sideline when there's kids yelling and kicking a ball and maybe we've got like a border collie or German shepherd who's like wants to be on that and involved in the game. That's an opportunity to practice. Hey, instead of focusing on that, focus on me instead. And so recall even in that environment could be really smart because now you're proofing your training right? It's like, not only can, should your dog be able to do things, they should learn it first and foremost in a low distraction area. But then once it's learned, we need to challenge them in order to maintain that training so that when life happens and we need our dogs to focus on us because there are kids playing soccer in the street or any sort of excitement we come across because that's life that happens all the time. So this is a dress rehearsal for that. This yeah. is probably, I don't know how long kids games are. Maybe it's like an hour of time you have to do a little bit of practice, put them on their place bed, take a break, do a little bit more practice, put them on their place. Bed. So now they're doing work as well as like, they're doing active and inactive work. It's so funny that you, you characterize it as kind of active. I was thinking passive, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that's so important. I think back to when I was a kid and I played a lot of baseball, right? You know, you still don't believe that I, <laughs> that I sports, but I, I used to sports, played baseball. I did play uh, football for a while. I played hockey, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. I did sports and I'd go to my baseball practices or baseball games in the evenings. And thinking back on it now, a lot of families would bring their dogs mm -hmm. and would be frustrated that, that their dog is being very vocal mm -hmm. or being uh, hard to manage on leash, you know, as they sit there on the bleachers trying to watch the game. And I think it's admirable that they want to include their dog. I think that's mm -hmm. amazing. Mm -hmm. But looking at it now with my understanding of dog psychology and everything else, let's take stock here. The dog has probably been at home mm -hmm. all day. Mm -hmm. It has pent up energy. It hasn't had a whole lot of social interaction throughout the day. And then we bring them to this people-rich environment, and now we're asking them to, to sit still, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's why I love what you just talked about there, that you could still include your dog in an activity like that, but do it in a more active capacity where you're providing them with both physical exertion as well as structure and discipline and turning it into a training activity while you're still there engaging in this other activity, you know, as a family or whatnot, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's really cool, really cool. And I think it's important to know what your dog is capable of and what might be way above threshold. So- What does that mean, above threshold, by the way? That their level of stress is really, really high. Okay. And that it's going to be very challenging to get through to them. They're not ready for that next level, right? So I'm always going to keep a dog- somewhat close to their threshold because there's there's type different types of training and I'm sure we've mentioned this on 
the podcast before, but flooding is a type of training where you purposefully overwhelm the dog, putting it way over threshold to kind of be like, deal with it. Um, And so a lot of dogs with like super aggressive dogs, they might be like, I can't fight everybody. So they might go into avoidance before they surrender type of thing or they might try to flight. Um, I kind of prefer the method of let's let's tiptoe you into this. Let's baby step it as much as possible. But I'm not going to keep you always under threshold because that's not life. Um, and the only way for a dog to overcome its fears, anxieties, reactivity, whatever it is, is to kind of push that limit, but in a compassionate way and mm-hmm. in a patient way. Mm-hmm. Um, so all I'm saying is like pretty much if your dog can't do recall off of maybe even like a dog park at a distance, your dog probably can't do recall at a distance from the soccer field where their their kid, like the part of their family is running around with a ball, right? Mm-hmm. That's going to be very hard. Um, likewise, if your dog can't do sit on the dog in a park setting where things are happening around it, there's no way your dog can do sit on the dog at the soccer field with that many people. Again, a ball, especially with something like sports, we're going to trigger prey drive with those dogs. So if you have a very high prey drive dog, maybe sit this one out, right? Because if you practice fetch or soccer, kicking a soccer ball for your dog and they go for it, it's going to be very challenging for them to understand they're not a part of this game. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. It makes sense. So that's that's something that I would recommend. I also want to revisit how can you make the most out of your walk with with time and like how can we make it more mentally stimulating for our dogs if we are like tight on time and we have to do a shortened walk, use a backpack. How can we implement work for our dogs on the walk so that we're making it more efficient and effective? So a backpack is a great one, a weighted vest. We've talked about putting like one booty on your dog while they go for their walk. Things like that, that makes it, or maybe they're carrying their favorite toy or a stick. Now I've added an extra level of mental stimulation to drain the dog's energy. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. I wanted to go back to something too, because we 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 kind of jumped over the middle of the day. We talked about kind of beginning and end. Mm-hmm. And something I was just thinking about, you know, especially for those folks who do leave their dogs at home a large portion of the day or or a chunk of the day, do you find that back to school when these dogs are being kind of left in the house, there's an increase in, I don't know what the right training term is, Liz, but like territorialism or guarding or protecting of the house because now it's kind of like the dog's house during the day and they become more, I don't know, concerned about it. Does that make sense? That's really interesting, actually. Yeah, it does. Um, I think that comes into play when we don't control our dog's space when we're out of the home. Well, you saw where I was going with that. Yeah. Because I was, you know, that leads naturally into some other discussion. But is that something that you see? Like, is is that, you know, because in the summer, there's often somebody home with the dog, Mm -hmm. right? Whether it's, 
you know, an, a, a family member, an owner, whatever, like, you know, you're on vacation, you're home more, you're taking time off, there's more people around. And then the fall comes and, you know, people are back to work, kids are back to school, whatever the case might be. And the dog, you know, has this place to themselves, right? Like, mm-hmm. is that something that, that comes up for you? Well, usually it's problem behaviors resurface. Ones like counter surfing or a big one is if the dog's bored and out in the house, what are they doing? They're looking out the window, they're watching squirrel TV and they're trying to entertain themselves. So what they get really good at practicing is they're gonna bark at the mailman coming up to the door and that's reinforced because then the mailman leaves and then they're like, ha ha, my job is done. Mm -hmm. And so in that way, yeah, building that territorialness where they're on watch, they're on guard because if we haven't fulfilled them and tired them, then they're like, I got to find a job. Right. I got to provide for my family while they're gone. And so being on furniture usually comes up because the dog's like, well, no one's here to tell me no. And so they're going to go up on furniture. They're likely to bark out the window at dogs going by, people walking the dogs, the mailman, you name it. And then that entire day, it goes without someone being like, actually, don't do that. Do this instead. And so if that's like an eight hour day, that's a lot of practice doing that. Yeah. And so the, reps. it's going to become a habit. And then we're going to be like scratching our heads in a month being like, why is he barking now on walks every time we pass somebody or another dog? And it's like, he's probably doing that all day when you're not home. Yeah. It's not even a behavior that's been reinforced on the walk. It's It's been implanted somewhere else, like mm-hmm. during the day out the window and it's starting to show up on walks as well. Which I don't know if a lot of people put together with reactivity, but if you have reactivity on the walk, let's see how your dog behaves in the house when they see somebody go by. Can they be chill about it or are they reacting there? What do you do about it in that moment? Because if you allow it there, then how is it any different in the real world? If a dog can practice something at home, it's definitely gonna practice it when there's way more distractions happening around. And we're, we feel less in control of things. So that's a golden nugget right there in this podcast, I will say. And the answer to what we've just been talking about is controlling space. Yeah. So create your dog. And I know a lot of people will be like feeling guilty about that. Absolutely. So many people are going to have guilt this time of year leaving their dog. So what are they going to do? They're probably going to overdo affection, especially when they leave because they feel bad and now we're doing an emotional dump on our dogs and then we're gonna create separation anxiety because what are we gonna also do the second we're reunited with our dogs? Be really pumped and jazzed and overexcited and oh, I missed you so much, how was your day? Oh, my sweet baby, baby, right? And now we're really conditioning our dogs to be stressed when I'm not here, be overly excited when we're reunited, Mm -hmm. panic when I'm going to leave you and so, the best thing to do is fulfill your dog, create them. Because if, mm-hmm. if if you fulfill the dog, if you give them mental, physical, social stimulation, then they're gonna sleep in their crate. That should be the goal. Just sleep while I'm not around. It makes sense. I mean, from a from a human psychology perspective, that feeling of of guilt, mm-hmm. that feeling of of longing. And then, you know, we hear it all the time. It's like, well, you know, I just want to leave my my dog out so it has the house to mm-hmm. like it, it's a good intentioned idea but the stress that it's creating 
is -hmm. actually greater than what would occur if, if, like you say, you properly fulfilled the dog and then gave it a safe, comfortable denning space Mm -hmm. vis-a-vis a a crate. Mm -hmm. I mean, the the whole concept of, well, I want to give my dog, you know, the house to roam. That's a human construct. It's not a construct rooted in dog psychology. Mm-hmm. They're not going to turn on the TV and and fix themselves a sandwich in the kitchen. You know what I mean? Like there's no need for for that. And in a lot of times that sense of freedom is actually overwhelming for dogs and stressful. And so too much freedom is often an, an issue in the relationship and the problems that we see with our dogs. So especially if you have a puppy, like, please, please, please just create that dog. They can make so many mistakes, potentially injure themselves. It's safekeeping, but it's also being like, this is where you hang out when I'm not around. And you don't think that they would do that in the wild. Like if if the father went for provisions, everyone would stay back in the den. Right. Don't be out and about. That's dangerous. Um. So anywho, that would be definitely something to encourage plus anytime that we're going through change i'm always telling clients increase structure and exercise Mm -hmm. what do most people do they they increase affection they limit especially discipline and structure yeah and sometimes exercise gets skipped or cut short like we've talked about the last thing i want to cover here liz you said something a little earlier on about not trying to teach your dog something mind-blowingly new mm-hmm. in the midst of this time of change. Mm-hmm. That being said, this feels like, like you said, it, it's sort of a beginning. It's a beginning of a new season. It's the beginning of the last third of the year. There's still a third of the year left. Like there's still a lot of time mm-hmm. in 2023 to accomplish the goals that you've set out for your dog. And if you're feeling like, frustrated that you haven't accomplished this goal there's still a lot of time Mm -hmm. so is this a good time to start introducing some new training behaviors maybe not at the exact same time like that's overwhelming and and not feasible but like how do you think about this time of the year as a time for learning for dog owners Mm -hmm. in general and what do you think is realistic with three months, which is you know, four months, four mm-hmm. months, 120 mm-hmm. days. There's still a lot of time left in the year. What could somebody accomplish between now and, and the end of 2023? A lot. Four months is a great amount of time for setting a solid foundation with training. Um, yeah, like literally two months is perfection. If we can really dedicate eight weeks to training with our dogs, and that's like my program, my training online for for dog owners is an eight-week program so that we can pace it out. You're learning habits that stack upon each other. And you have the accountability of somebody in your corner during a time that might be challenging saying, hey, you got this. And here's a tool to implement to help you through that. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually a really smart time to double down because if if you can identify this is going to be hard for me to fulfill my dog, maybe I need extra help. Cool work with a trainer that could be amazing also now you're fulfilling your dog by investing that time and like i'm a lifestyle trainer like i want 
to be realistic about what you can do with your dog, which is why I'm not, not just like carve out X amount of time, do this six times. Like It's like, hey, tell me about your day-to-day with your dog. I'm going to tell you when you can do what to make the most out of your relationship. And so it doesn't have to be complicated. If you work with a trainer that like holistically knows how to heal relationships and deal with problem behaviors, then they're going to make your life easier, not harder when it comes to your dog, which is the goal. Yes, it's going to take intentionality and focus and work, but wouldn't you rather have an expert coaching you on how to do it than try to do it blindly yourself? Such an interesting point. There's there's a couple of layers to that. Like number one, there's still a lot of time left in this year. So whether you're trying to accomplish a 2023 goal or even imagine being able to have a better dog by Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. When right? company comes when over. When company's coming over. Like there's still- Or Christmas. Or, or Christmas. There's a, there's a lot that can be accomplished. So it's never too late to start, mm-hmm. which makes it a great time. But the second thing that you mentioned, which I think is brilliant, is if you can incorporate these training philosophies and principles into your everyday lifestyle at its peak busiest time, Mm -hmm. i.e. now, then there's no time that you can't do it. A thousand percent. Right? So do it now in in the throes of your daily life with work and school and extracurriculars and evening activities. If you can find a training philosophy that works for you in the construct of all of that, vacation time, summertime, everything else becomes easy. Mm -hmm. So true. That's a really good point. So... It feels like, yeah, it's time to go back to school, not just for the kiddos, yeah, but for the doggos too. I always found that this time of year was pretty, uh, not busy, but there would be an, an uptick in people wanting training for sure, especially towards the end of September, which is why mine is so perfectly timed. September 25th, online group class with Ms. Foley. Um, but... I also found more people were looking to have their dog join for daycare and just, I have two schools of thought on that kind of, haha, schools of thought. I didn't even do that pun in, pun non intended, but still really good. Um, if your dog already goes to daycare, maybe you increase the frequency with which they go. Maybe they go once a week and then you can, I don't know, bump it to two or maybe they're twice a week, maybe bump it to three if there's availability and your dog likes it and it's structured, amazing. But if your dog has never been to daycare and now we're throwing them into that in a, in the midst of all of this, that might be a little too much. Right. So maybe work with a dog walker instead because this is the thing. When life gets hard, you can outsource certain things, right? And so finding a dog walker who can come let your dog out midday so then you have less guilt about creating your dog during the day, that solves more problems than it creates. Mm-hmm. So again, finding a dog walker who's going to implement the same training habits you're working on with your dog, now you've just freed up more time. So I'm just asking people to be cognizant of their schedules really during this time where there's so much change and flux. So be be real with yourself. Do you have the time to provide your dog what they need during this time so that we can prevent problem behaviors before they start? Because if I can predict it, I can prevent it. And if not, can we 
save up some money to have somebody else pay a professional to do it for us so we don't, again, see problem behaviors. Mm -hmm. Liz, this is great. I'm I'm actually excited for the fall now. Mm -hmm. I'm, still, about this. I'm still a little anxious. I got butterflies in my tummy. <laughs> You'll be okay. <laughs> Before we go, where can people find more information on your online group training? When does it start again? September 25th, Training September. Essentials. It's an eight-week program. We meet once a week. Um, and that can all be found on my website, www.yourfavoritedogtrainer.com. And favorite is with a U because I'm Canadian. Love it. Thank you, Liz. Appreciate all the insights today. You got it. Good luck with your back to school. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, stay calm and confident. Bye. If you like what you heard, hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment or a review. We'd love to hear from you. We release a new podcast weekly. Follow us on Instagram at Honest to Dog Podcast. Honest to Dog Podcast is hosted by Liz Foley and Jeff Gadway. The show is engineered, edited, and produced by me, Timothy Musa. 